Let's get into some stuff, some word today. I have for you the first part of a brand new series, and it is called, as many of you know, Wheel of Fortune. All right. Uh, note, 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 note this, that God wants to be involved in your finances. Now, it is not to our detriment, but to our advantage that we yield to him. Once you have a greater understanding of what he wants to do, how he thinks, um, It'll be less of an issue. I mean, I, I know whenever you bring that subject up in church, some people get nervous right from the start. But uh, be at rest. We already received the offering today. <laughs> and we're not going to take an extra, an extra one. So you can stay. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not about that uh, in particular anyway. But I know this, that if we will do money, finances, God's way... It has a dramatic effect upon all areas of our lives. And, and I'm not going to go through those today, but I'll just throw this out and you can do your own homework. But I want you to know it will affect, um, again, doing money God's way will affect your finances themselves and not in a negative way. It will affect your spiritual life. There are many people that crawl along spiritually for years and this is their, hic- their hiccup. This is the hitch in their step. It's they're not doing money God's way. Okay? Uh, it, it affects, it, it'll even affect your health. There's a parallel. I've been pastoring long enough and it's interesting how, how many, how often someone's struggles in many areas of life can be tied back to what they do with their money. And then, of course, it affects the here and now, but it also affects eternity. What we do with our money is going to be reflected once we leave this life. I'm not talking heaven or hell there. I'm not talking you're not going to heaven unless you do the right. No, but I'm talking about, well, I don't want to get into it. But (laughs) rewards and a lot of different things are tied to what we do with our finances. And so this new series is designed, just so you know, To be more of a snapshot of a bunch of different areas. If I didn't do it that way, this would be, you know, the whole year. (laughs) Yeah, we we take the whole year trying to exhaust each subject, but it's so it's not exhaustive of each area. Um, The reason for this is because um, I've recognized that sometimes an individual is doing very well in one area or two areas. But they're still struggling overall. They still have issues in the big picture. And it's not because they're failing in some areas. It's because something else is missing. There's another part. They're in the front of the boat saying, man, this looks good. I'm doing everything fine. I don't know what the problem is. There's a hole in the back of the boat. And you're still in the same boat. Right? So the back of the boat goes down. It pulls the good parts of the boat down too. Right? And if there's a hole in one area of your life... Uh, financially, you could be drowning because of some other type of leak. Everybody okay? In other words, uh, for example, someone could have, you know, strong faith for the Lord to provide for them, be the, their provider, faith for finances. Uh, but they could have a serious hole when it comes to wisdom in knowing what to do with what they have. 
At the same time, someone could be very well uh, um, walking in God's principles of giving. And they are givers, and they tithe, and they give, and they think, what in the world is wrong? I'm doing, I, I'm faithful with this. Well, there's another part called receiving, and that's a different subject. And you could have a, have a problem with your receiver. And so we want to we look at all these different areas and just hit them little by little. Again, I'm not going to be exhaustive in any one of these. Um, but, but I recognize we need to have an understanding. When I was seeking the Lord, well, really a few months ago, it just kind of rose up in me. And I, I started to see this in a more complete way. And the way I saw it was more like a wheel uh, or, or like a pie shape. And, uh, and then that turned into the wheel, uh, which turned into the series. Um, but I began to see there's a lot of parts to what we're doing with our finances. And... And so I want to cover all of them. In fact, at the time I was talking to the pastoral staff because they often will come up and receive the offerings like Pastor Doug did today. And my word was, let's don't talk about giving every week. But at the same time, don't talk about receiving every week. You know, don't talk about prosperity every week. Don't, don't, in other words, let's not isolate just one part of it and make that our full discussion. Let's spread this out. So we have a well-rounded understanding of God's mentality, His promises, His provision when it comes to our financial lives. Amen. So, are you ready to spin the wheel? Let's do it. All right, I have to have them, I'll have them spin that wheel, wheel each week so I know what to teach on. And so this week, I'm going to start with that subject, just, just because that's where it landed. How many believe that? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about prosperity a little bit today, okay? It's an interesting subject. It's an interesting word, uh, in part because it is usually highly spoken of everywhere, Except in church. In church circles, or maybe I should say in religious circles, it is often the thing that becomes, ah, you know, hands off. You don't want to talk about prosperity. And I think one of the reasons is people have a great misunderstanding of it. And they make it synonymous with greed and materialism and, 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 and just a, a money-minded type of, of person. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. That is not what that means. That is not what we're promoting. That is not what God wants in our lives. Uh, but we want to have a biblical understanding and think about this subject like God does. Amen. And uh, I recognize you can see if someone is a greedy person or a just a materialistic-minded individual, they would gravitate towards this message. However, once they heard the message, they'll realize it doesn't work for them. And so uh, when we get on God's page, when it comes to uh, the subject of prosperity, it's very solid. It's very balanced. It is very powerful and, and important for us to know, to have an understanding in. There are those that teach that this particular subject is just Old Testament. Ever heard that? that well, that's for the, that was just for the Jews. You know, when we read about Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, where we read about the kings and David and Solomon and their great 
wealth and, and amazing material blessings that they had. They say, well, that doesn't apply to us today in the New Covenant. Uh, I disagree with that fully. I really do. And uh, we have a covenant that's better, based on better promises. It doesn't eliminate any of na- any of the natural blessings. It just upgrades everything to walking by faith and being, you know, there's a whole lot we could say there. But our new covenant is way better. But it does not exclude uh, God blessing you in a natural, physical, material way in your life. And, and so I, I want to read uh, just a few verses uh, to start off here today, and, and then we'll talk more uh, about the subject of prosperity. Um, three verses, okay, three verses. The first one is Psalm 35, Psalm 35 and verse 27. Psalm 35, 27. It reads, Let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Alright now think about that for a moment. What is God's attitude. Feeling towards his servants who prosper. Does he have a. I hate it. I'd rather keep them barely making it, living on their last straw. No, no, no. He actually takes pleasure when his servants do well. When God's servants prosper, it pleases the Lord. All right? We could reverse that and say that would have to also be true then, that when God's servants are struggling, barely making it, trying to get by that that would produce opposite feelings in him. He's not pleased with that. that. No more than any parent here would be pleased if their kids are barely making it in life. Or not making it at all, right? That, that grieves us. That hurts us. It is God's good pleasure when we prosper. Reality is, is we can take that up a step because if you... Think, think about the time this is written... If he takes pleasure in his servants prospering, how many know in the new covenant we've been upgraded? We still have the heart and attitude of servants. We serve him, but we've been upgraded. We're no longer just servants in the house. We're family. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. If he wants the servants to do well, I think he wants his kids to prosper too. Okay, so that's God's heart towards you. It's his attitude towards your life. Uh, another verse then is Third John. It's in the New, New Covenant way at the end, right before Revelation. Third John and verse 2. This is a, a, a personal letter. This is a letter written by John the Apostle to his friend, to an individual. But we don't exclude this and say, well, that doesn't apply to us because it's just John writing to his friend. It's in the Bible for a reason. All these letters were written to groups of people or individuals. And that doesn't mean they don't apply to us. They're inspired by the Lord. We have record of it because he would say the same thing to you. Third John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. All right, so inward prosperity and then 
health, prosperity in your, in your body, which is health, and prosper in everything. He said, I want it to go well for you. This is the will of God for our lives that we would prosper. And then here's the best one, I think, in my opinion. Don't mean to, you know, elevate necessarily Paul's writing over John, but they'll work it out. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse eight. Second Corinthians nine and verse eight. And by the way, we could read verses in this category the whole day. There are just a lot in this book about this. Okay, I'm just giving you a couple good ones. Second Corinthians nine eight. This is from the New Living. I'm reading from New Living Translation. And God will generously provide all you need. Notice, he won't just provide your need. Say, well, God promised to meet my needs. Yeah, but add another word to that. Generously. Let him slather it on you. It's like when you put gravy on the potatoes. You know, you make a little bowl. You guys do that? That's, that's the correct way to do it. Uh, make a little swimming pool. Fill it up. And then what? Run it over. <laughs> Yeah, generous, a generous, ample supply. He will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and, everybody say and, plenty left over to share with others. Okay, this is God mentality. If we don't think this way, we should adapt, adjust, we should start. God blessing you does not end with, I made it through another month. We kept the house. We still have the car. We have food on the plate. Ah, that's small. That's small. That's not the way. He wants to run your potatoes over. He does. In other words, all my needs are met and I have enough to give. That means I'm going to. Looks like you've got some potatoes on your plate, too. Would you like me to help? Amen. Amen. And so this is the way we want to think about it. This is the way God does. That I'm not prospering when my needs are met. I am prospering when my needs are met. And I have an abundance to give. Okay? That's why I think that's a real good uh, description. Let's look at a couple words. Just breaking apart words. In the Old Testament... The word translated prospect, uh, prosper from Hebrew is the word shalom. Okay, ever heard the word shalom? Most people know that word as a, almost like a greeting. It's typically thought of in the sense of peace. And that's one of the definitions. But when he said he delights in the prosperity of his servants, that's the, word, the Hebrew word shalom there. Listen to some of the descriptions, uh, the descriptive words that define it. Um, safe. Uh, well, happy, health, prosperity, peace. Th- those are some of the concepts. When someone says shalom, it's peace and wholeness and happiness and you're doing well. You are prospering. That's why it's translated that way. It's interesting because this is one of the things that's in the redemptive work of Jesus. When the scripture says in Isaiah 53... Remember Isaiah saw Jesus on the cross in the Spirit? And he used this language. The chastisement needed for us to obtain peace was upon him. 
when Jesus was being whipped, not only was it sin and sickness and all the curse, you know what was also on him? Poverty. He was chastised so we could obtain peace. What do you mean peace? Shalom. Which includes financial peace. Uh, Which includes, uh, you know, soundness of mind. It just includes the whole gamut. But it it is the same word for prosperity. You know, it would be accurately correct, biblically correct, to say Jesus died so we could prosper. In fact, you go into the New Testament and you read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, for your sake, he was made poor that you might be made rich. When was he made poor? On the cross, he was made poor. Same time he was made sin. That curse was placed upon him. Okay, now, in the, uh, in the New Testament, the word translated prosper that we read there in, in those verses. Um, I don't want to say it because it's a weird word and I can't say it right. Uh, But basically, it means, here's a definition, to prosper means to succeed in reaching. Okay? It, it, It has to do with to succeed in business affairs, to help on the road is some of the language used. What we see in, in 1 Corinthians 16, it is directly referencing people's material goods. So, prosperity, when he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper, it did include all that. It's one reason I like to think of the word sometimes in this regard. It means to, to have success in life. When you're prosperous, you're successful in whatever you do. It's not limited to finances, but it is wide-ranging, uh, and it is, it is a broad scope of, of prosperity that includes your finances. I don't like to put or define this in any kind of real specific material way. Like put a dollar amount on it. Prosperity is this. Or is when you have this kind of home to live in. Or you drive this. That would be limiting. It would be restricting. That is all dependent on who you are. What you want in life. What, you're, what you want to accomplish. Where you live. Those things are so different for, for different people. But success is a good word. But abundance is a good word. These things are a part of the character of God. Sometimes it's easier for me to define what something is not. And I think of it in real life. If, If I see throughout Scripture, and like I said, we could read verses all day long that say this. This is not our idea. Um, what is it not? I, I could say things like this. If a person has to work so much, so many days, so many hours beyond what's healthy for them and their family and their life to make ends meet, that's not prosperity. All right? Appreciate your willingness. You, you might have a good heart. You want to meet your needs and obligations and take care of family. But that's not prosperity. God has something better for you. You know, if an individual uh, has vehicles, and their vehicles are always breaking down. Constantly, you can hardly go anywhere because you don't know if your vehicle's going to make it. Just because it's so old and so many miles, that's not prosperity. I'm telling you, God has something better for you. You can live above that. We don't have to live from the bottom of the barrel. We can live from the top of the barrel. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Really, I would define, I think, I think of prosperity in this way. 
when there's, when there's a person in your family that, ha- that needs something. Or the church is building something or doing some kind of a, a project. And you think, I'd sure like to help, but I just can't. You're not prospering. You know what I mean by that? It's just prosperity is freedom. It's the ability to go and do and be a part of things. For God to use you. You know, if uh, if we announce another missions trip and someone says, you know, I'd sure like to go on that, but, you know, I, I can't miss two weeks of work. Well, that's too bad, isn't it? Because you're limited. See, what, what this is, the opposite, I'm going to get to that in a minute, I think, but I'll just jump ahead. Uh, when you talk about poverty, it is something that restricts a person. They're not free to do. They're not free to go. They're not free to... Uh, you know, God can't even deal with them. Hey, why don't you help this other person? You don't have the means to do it. So God can't use you in that way. Or, like I said, to go on a, uh, on a missions trip or to help a project. And the Lord says, I want you to help with this. And there's just not the ability there. Poverty is a, is a binding thing. It, 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 it puts someone in a place where they don't have any freedom. Everybody Okay. Now, think about God's character. And, and, and I can see how He thinks when I look at creation, both heaven and earth. You go back to the Garden of Eden before sin. Of course, Adam and Eve, um, how, many did they live, how many know they lived in complete and full prosperity? Now, they didn't have a car, <laughs> except for when God drove them out, you know. Uh, uh, they didn't have a, you know, they didn't live in a mansion or something like that. But how many know they had perfect climate, perfect supply. They were full and satisfied at all times. I think that's a real good picture of God as our provision. They were totally prosperous, but not in the way that we might define it in our, uh, in our age. Yeah, that was before sin. The little glimpses we see of heaven. How many know there's not going to be someone on the corner of Heaven Street with a sign. Because, no, not going to exist there. God in His abundance, we will never have the slightest fear of going without or lacking or anything. Remember, perfect love casts out fear. And God being an abundant God, we see pictures of heaven with streets of gold and mansions and rivers of life. and It's just an amazing place. That's the way God likes it. It's the way He wanted it. Even our planet. I know there are uh, there are those who are constant. If you if you watch many movies, uh, so many movies about how the, we're basically eating up our planet, and so let's find another planet we can move to, right? So many movies are about getting us off world because humans have destroyed the earth. Now it's no doubt that the earth has been messed up in a, in a lot of ways, but I tell you, when God created this and put His prize creation here, He resourced it. We are not going to run out of what we need while we are here on, the, on, on earth. We're not. I'm not saying we should be fools with it. We should be clean and all that kind of stuff. But we are not going to run out. So that fear of, hey, any day we're going to run out of water and run out of oil and run out of whatever it is, run out of food and run out of air. No, we're not. No, no, no. God's the provider, which means he looked in advance and said, Here's the planet. Here's my people. I'm putting more than they need on the planet. In fact, uh, 
you know, I didn't plan to go this route, but I've read from those who have done the homework and done the math and calculated the value of the resources of planet Earth. And it was amazing if you spread it out, you know, like socialists, (laughs) if you spread it out over all the population, do you know that there is so much, every single person on the planet could be extremely wealthy. There is not a lack. You know, we have too many people, too much population. No, not even close. Not even close. All right, let's get back. I can see it in creation, though, in how God created stuff. He's an abundant God. Uh, I can see it in his, his very nature. In fact, the Scriptures use words to describe God. One of them, uh, one of the Hebrew words is, uh, well, two words, El Shaddai. In Genesis 17, the Hebrew says, calls him Almighty God, but it's the Hebrew El Shaddai. It's very interesting because when you break that down and define who God is, here's what it means. Uh, one who is mighty to nourish, supply, and satisfy. One who sheds forth and pours out sustenance and blessing. All sufficient and bountiful one. Isn't that a good description? So I'm going to name my kid that. <laughs> and then you can be El Shaddad. <laughs> to your little El Shaddad. <laughs> well, that's quite a, quite, a, quite a name, quite an abundant name. This is where sometimes we use the phrase, and you'll hear this thrown around in Christian circles, that God is the God who is more than enough. That's another way to say this. What kind of God do you serve? I serve a God who is El Shaddai. He's more than enough. It's like the loaves and the fish. Feed the, feed the multitude, gather up the rest, and then bless the boy who gave his lunch, and he goes home with much more than he gave. That's the way that God works. Amen. And, and, and so, if I start thinking that way, I can rid myself of the serving El Chipo. No, I don't serve El Chipo, the God who wants to barely get us through, scrape through, and someday we'll be okay in heaven. No, right here, right now, it's just the way that He is. I don't have to talk Him into it. I don't have to convince Him to be abundant and and all-providing. He just is that way. I want to get out of my small mentality where I think little. You know, it's like I was sharing with you before how when we came into this building, there were a couple of small-minded people. They said, we can't do it. That's too much. And then I closed my eyes and looked to the Lord, and I had never heard him say that. In fact, I, I don't, can't really think of times where I've heard the Lord say, you're, think, you're thinking too big. It's usually just the opposite. He's got a great big vision, and I'm trying to catch up to what he really wants to do. This is the way we should, we should think about him. Does, does the father want his kids to live on barely get along street? Barely make it through? Ah, just making it through the week? I don't think so. And uh, I think this is opposite of, of his character. It's like, it's like welfare, you know. Uh, when someone's on welfare, imagine there likely would be some here that are on welfare. How many know when you're on welfare, you're not faring very well? Right? You're barely making it. 
And it's not God's, God's will, God's best for you. I'm not saying go down there and cut it off because of that. I'm saying believe for more. Raise your vision. Get your sights higher. He wants you not to be dependent. And He wants you to live at a higher place in life. To where, to where His provision is manifest. And you give Him the glory. And others can see, wow, God's blessing is really on your life. Let's not accept a mentality that is small and limited. Where we're just going to barely make it through and barely get by. In looking at the word prosperity, I, I, I go to the opposite as well. And I think, well... What's the opposite of that? That would be poverty. Again, poverty is spoken of in negative terms all around the globe. Who wants a, you know, who wants a nation that's impoverished or a city or a person? It's only when you get into religious circles that you hear of people taking vows of poverty. Well, why would you, why would you do that? I mean, I'm not judging the person's heart, but I think they're highly misinformed. That's not the character of the God you're serving. In fact, it's a curse. It is only a result of the fall. It is a result of sin that people live at the very bottom rung just enough to survive and just barely enough to make it. When I was looking up the word poverty, I found words like this. I'm talking in the Hebrew and Greek. Words like this. Poor, destitute, needy, beggar. It even said in one place in in Vines, to work for one's daily bread. And I think... How many times do we think of, I work for what I need, that's a blessing. Well, think about it. If I have to work today, and if I don't work today, I don't eat today, that's not God's best. That's living at the bottom. I'm saying the Lord wants to bring you up. I was in another country a couple years ago, and uh, there was this woman there who was, uh, who was selling these these things and I was there with some missionaries who lived there and and the the woman the missionary woman said to me she explained what was happening here and she was very heartbroken over it but she knew who this woman was she said if she doesn't sell those little things today she doesn't eat today I thought ah how many know uh, that's not prosperity that's not God's design for his children that they would live on the edge like that. Thank God that for what they do. But let's bring this back into real life, you know, America today. How many know the percentages? And I know this, is, this touches probably a lot of people. But so many people live paycheck to paycheck. There's nothing left over. Cre- debt stacked up, credit card debt, let alone student loans and car debt and home debt and all that kind of stuff. And, and if I don't go to work this week... We're, we're losing the, the car. They're taking the car next week. I understand that's reality for a lot of people. But that's not God's best. And here's the deal. The Lord wants to lift you up. He really does. He wants to get involved in your, in your finances. And, and He wants you to live at the top, off the top of the barrel, not the bottom. Not one refrigerator breaking away from disaster. Not one car blow up. You know live in abundance to where we are well supplied and able to give it's his nature El Shaddai is your El Shaddai he's your father he's the God who is more than enough the reality is this is that it's Satan who wants you to be poor 
And he especially wants the righteous to be poor. If you love God and you serve Him, He wants you to have zero influence. But you find in our world, often people who, are, who have money have power. They have influence. God wants more of those. Yeah, not those who are serving it, not those who are worshiping their stuff, those who worship Him and have resources that He can direct them at any time to do things. That's one of the reasons Satan hated Job so much. He was rich and righteous. You get rich and unrighteous, and we have a lot of that in the world. But you have someone who loves God and serves God, and they are well-funded. Come on now. God can use you. You are, you are a help to, hit to the kingdom of God. Amen. Someone said, well, what about Jesus? Contrary to pop- popular religious teaching, Jesus was not poor. He wasn't building up a, an empire. He didn't have descendants to pass anything on to. Yeah. But you, you read the scriptures and you'll find out. I, I don't have time to go in it, into it today. But he, you know, he supported a, tw- a staff of 12 for three and a half years. He had a treasurer. He wore, he wore designer clothes that they gambled for at his death. Just, uh, he wasn't in it for building some kind of wealthy kingdom on, on earth. But you see over and over again, you see indications that Jesus was well supplied. He had an abundance and they regularly gave to the poor. The poor don't give to the poor. So let that not be a trip up in your mind. Say, God wants us to prosper. What about Jesus? What about Paul? You know, Paul's, you know, we follow Paul's teachings in the scripture. And I know this. He said of himself, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. He knew how to have. He had times when he had abundance for sure. And he had more than enough. And I, I readily acknowledge and admit he had times when he did without. But he was one of the most persecuted people in the church. And that was the reason he suffered lack. He'd get thrown in jail. He got beaten to a pulp. You know, he didn't teach that all of us have to spend a night and a day in the deep. Meaning out in the ocean, kicking on a board. He didn't say all of us had to be stoned and whipped and thrown in prison. I hope I don't. But he was persecuted for the cross of Christ and his testimony, no doubt. And we should all have that same willingness that I'm going to serve the Lord even if it costs me. Even if I have to do without, I'm going to live my life for him. But you don't go from that to saying, and now God wants everybody to be poor. Or somehow be against prosperity. Again, this is one of those cases where you have to... uh, you have to separate the message of the Scripture and the character of God from, you know, some shady preacher who's trying to prophesy money out of your pocket into his. Because how many know that's not what we're talking about? And you all know we don't do any kind of that nonsense here. There's no manipulation or games or shenanigans going on trying to get people to give their... No, 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 no. We, we want to do things God's way. It's one thing for us to recognize God's will. It's another thing to recognize His way in achieving it. Amen. 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 And I know there are, some say, are there dangers in becoming wealthy or rich? Yeah. We have quite a few warnings in Scripture. We should heed them. Do not be high-minded. Right? We're going to heed those warnings. At the same time, 
Let's not throw out the whole character and nature and plan of God in the process. Let's not throw out success because, hey, some successful people go off track. Yeah, they do. They do. I'm just not going to be one of them. How about you? Yeah. And the Lord wants to bless you. He wants to bless all of us. And, uh, um, you know, I, I know my, my wife, when, uh, when we were getting ready to get married, she had a family member that told her, uh, because, I, you know, I was a lowly youth pastor. And, uh, you know, being a minister, and they, they tried to warn her, say, you know, if you marry him, and they still weren't really trying to talk her out of it, I don't think. Were they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but they said, you know, you're going to be poor all your life. Because he's going in the ministry. And this person had knowledge of people's financial levels and all that kind of stuff. And saw a lot of poor preachers, I guess. And, uh, and to her credit, for character-wise, she said, I don't care about that. And, uh, and, and we don't. But that's not the will of God. And the Lord has blessed us as we've walked with him over time. And, uh, and I believe he wants to bless you. Bless you how? With an abundance. Abundance. Every need met with surplus. Cup running over. Abundance for you, all your needs met, and an ability to be a giver, to be generous in your life. Here's our heart. Serve God no matter what you have. Serve God with your whole heart, whether you have an abundance or whether you're struggling to pay a bill. But have a vision and know this. Part of God's big picture, the financial plan, is prosperity. It's not the only part of this subject, but it has to be included. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today, Father.